1: play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Hey
2: listeners, Kevin and I need your help. Yes,
0: we need your help. Please, please, please. We need your stars. We need your reviews, you guys, on iTunes so we can start to climb those iTunes rating charts.
2: It's simple. Open iTunes, click on the iTunes store, Search for behind-the-curtain Broadway's living legends.
0: Then click on Ratings and Reviews. Under the Customer Reviews, click Write a Review. Then let us know what you think from one to
2: five stars. If you need some help, think of one star being Carol Channing and Paul Lynn in the road company of the last five years, and five stars being free front-row tickets to Hamilton. (laughs) Although, when you think about it, I actually would give five stars to the road company of Carol Channing and Paul in the last five years. Because I think that would be uh, awesome. I would
0: love to hear. Can I hear moving too fast? Is Paul? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's, the, that's the one I really want. She's the shakes the goddess. <laughs> Been through Erica Schwartz and Danica Weiss. And the Handelman twins.
0: So, there you go. You can also leave a comment if you like. That's it. That's your it. Reviews. Send us Thank your reviews, you. friends. Please.
2: Welcome back to part two of our interview with press agent Susan Shulman. If you remember last time, Susan was talking about working on State Fair with the infamous David Merrick, where she has just been
1: fired. And, I mean, everybody got fired. The, the company manager, the general manager, the press agent, everybody got fired. Um, and I, of course, was devastated yeah. because it was... I mean, it was my heart, you yeah, know. I mean, yeah. I just I cared so about this show, and I cared and about you've the been people. With it for so long, and I, and and I loved yeah. it. I mean, I genuinely loved it, no. and I loved everybody in it. And it was a very, it was a very close company. I'm, again, I'm still very close to mm-hmm. most of the people in that company, and but I was also um, humiliated because I was here. I was this spokesperson for for this show, and everybody knew I was the press agent. Right. And suddenly, I wasn't the press agent, and I had to come up with. A sort of response, because everybody was going to call me and say what happened, and so I created a very artfully concocted sentence. Now, keep in mind that David Merrick was famous for doing this. I mean, he was famous for firing people and famous for his, you know, suing people. And he was—I mean, this was how he created his persona. And so I—and I have to have to think about it a minute. It was. It was. I'm honored. This was the statement that I issued when people asked. Okay. I'm honored to join the long list of distinguished theater professionals to be fired by David Merrick.
0: Amazing! <laughs> oh my gosh! Wasn't that good? That's genius.
1: I worked oh. very hard on that. Thank you. I Brilliant. really did. I'm honored. Part. I'm That's the part honored that really to nails. join the yes. long list of distinguished. I worked very oh hard God. on that yes. because my you heart.
2: Just
0: list it all. Because my heart
1: was broken. <laughs> I mean, yeah. my heart was broken. I was devastated, and. And the, you know, but you had to say something because everybody was calling me. And luckily, everybody got it. They mm-hmm. got the sarcasm and they got the tongue in cheekness yeah. of it. And I was treated very well because right. my career could have been over. Totally. You know, I could have been trashed in right. the media and, you know, never gotten another job. Wow. And so it was, it was, I was prouder <laughs> of that statement than almost anything else. But so it, you talk about love, hate, you know, I mean, I loved that show. I loved the people in the show. I loved the, the um, all roads led to me. I yeah. was involved with every second of that show. I was involved with every bit of it, the tour, that Broadway, everything. The post, I then handled it post-Broadway. There was a national tour with John Davidson, and I handled yeah. that with another producer. So, I mean, it was in my heart, you know. But it was also devastating because it was such a difficult production, and it went yeah. through so many um, ups and downs. And it oh, was, yeah. you know...
2: And chronicled quite brilliantly in your book.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, in, in in backstage past to Broadway, there there as some critics have pointed out, there are sort of two or three big stories that I tell, and then there are lots of smaller stories. And one of the big stories is working with State Fair and David Merrick and yeah. all of that. It was Merrick's last show, and in fact, um, a, a couple of years later he died, and because I was the sort of press agent of record for the last show he did a lot of media people called me. <laughs> and, of course, I didn't know if... They wanted to know if he was really dead, and I didn't know if he was really dead or not. I mean, they didn't call me to tell me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I kept saying, I don't know if he's dead or not, but um, I'd like to kick the coffin, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> to check. <laughs> That's funny. But, um, yeah, it was, it was an
2: adventure. Amazing. <laughs> uh, speaking of adventure, we're going to go... Back in your chronology, oh my uh, God! Can we talk about Zero mustel
1: <laughs> Yes, and talk about dying.
2: And di- yeah, where were you? <laughs> this is the, this
1: is this is a word of truth. When the star dies, it's a sign not to go on. <laughs>
2: I would think you, so. you heard it here first, ladies but, and gentlemen. Uh,
1: ladies and gentlemen, but in this case, we did.
2: You were like, we're taking <laughs> yeah. the play to Broadway. Anyway. We're coming yes. in anyway. Would you tell us a little bit about what yes. this play was? This,
1: was? this was one of those shows that um, we all have scars from. You talk about difficult productions. Um, the, show was, the play was called The Merchant, and it was Arnold Wesker's telling of the story of Shylock, of uh, The Merchant of Venice, oh, wow. from the Jewish perspective. And Zero Mostel was cast as Shylock. It was directed by John Dexter, who was a very famous and very oh, difficult English director who had do done hear
0: a waltz? Equus, you. Yep. Equus
1: uh, Madame Butterfly. M Butterfly. What
0: year would the, was I should know when Zero Mostel passed uh, uh, away, but Z, I can't remember?
1: 78, I think. Oh, okay.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. 77.
1: 77. Around there.
0: So the Merchant.
1: Yeah, the Merchant. So the Merchant starts rehearsals in New York. It's Marion Seldis, uh Sir John Clements, um, uh Roberta Maxwell. It was it was quite oh, yeah. impressive company. And Z, uh who Zero Mustell is known as Z. Um, <laughs> before uh the show began rehearsals, he lost a hundred pounds on a one of those liquid diets that was very in fashion then. Where, okay. and it was all under medical supervision. It was he passed the physical for the insurance. I mean it was all wow. fine as far okay. as everybody knew. Started rehearsals. And Dexter, who was a very caustic cutting um uh, very sarcastic um director known known to always have a whipping boy in every company and and really cruel kind of director um pitted people against each other mm-hmm. and and you kind of had the feeling that if it could go wrong, it would go wrong. No. It was one of those shows where we kept saying this little black cloud and 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 things kept happening you know things that in and of themselves didn't seem like such a big deal but when you put them all together you thought oh my god you know this is like disaster so finally the show goes to Philadelphia where it's going to play Philadelphia and then it's going to play the Kennedy Center in Washington and then it's going to come to Broadway it's produced by the Schubert's oh. uh, by Roger Stevens by de Kulakundas big, big, you know yeah. big players uh, big engagements legit, yeah big, I mean, like, big yeah. everyone thought this was going to be the, the sort of um high high class um show to see intellectual show to see of the season mm-hmm. the merchant we go to philadelphia um because of all the things that were going on and all the uh, dramas backstage and a lot of very unhappy people sure. being mean to each other and mostly dexter being mean to people but a lot of conflict um they never had enough time to actually run the play to do a full dress rehearsal before the first preview. Oh. Yeah. Because it was a big show. It was a big, physically big show. Big sets, big costumes, big everything. And so the first preview in Philadelphia, which was on a Friday night, ran over four hours. <laughs> yeah. And this was a serious, serious, serious play. Oh four God. hours. Really long. And um Oof. And, as you know, in the theater, there's something called Golden Time, which is if anything runs past three hours, everybody gets paid a lot of money that's right, yeah. so you don't want to run beyond three yeah. hours, so four hours really not Oof. good so everybody so but but they got through it they 'd never run the full play before, so this was like a miracle that everybody got through it so
0: we're, for we're the all, audience as well
1: it was it wasn't it wasn't uh, i mean you could see that it was going to be good, but right. it wasn't good and yet it needed, yeah, it you know, needed to be cut and and people didn't know their lines, and yeah. you know i mean it was it was not. Wow, but four over four hours. Okay, so after the show, we all go up on stage and we're all sort of so relieved that they got <laughs> through it. Yeah, but nobody died. Everybody got through the show. Well, and so we were supposed. I was with Merle Dubusky, who was the, the senior press agent, and I was the associate on the show. And we had come down f- for the Friday performance, and we were going to stay through the Saturday matinee and then take the train back to New York. And that night, um, after the preview and it was late and the schubert said do you want to drive back with us in the limo now you know like two o'clock in the morning or something and so we thought sure why not okay fine so so we get in the limo and we drive back to new york the next day saturday before the matinee z's in his dressing room and he doesn't feel well and they take him to the hospital they cancel the matinee we're in new york and he's in the hospital, and they're trying to figure out what's wrong with him, and he's having tests, and nobody knows what's wrong with him. And meanwhile, everybody's suggesting cuts in the play. They're saying, well, you know, that scene could be... and Because everybody knows it can't be four hours long. Right. I mean, they, this is a given. And so they keep doing tests on Z, and they keep not knowing what's wrong with him, and they, everybody's in limbo, and nobody knows what's happening. And finally, they decide that... They're going to cancel the Philadelphia engagement. They've done one performance in Philadelphia. And they're just going to come back to New York and rehearse in New York. And then they're going to open at the Kennedy Center. So they discharge Zero Mustel from the hospital. His wife is on the way to the hospital to pick him up. He falls out of bed and drops dead. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So now we have Zero Mustel, the reason that everybody is doing The Merchant.
0: Right. It's like his name. It's Zero Mustel in The Merchant. Yeah.
1: Right. And, you know, this famous Jewish hmm. actor who's famous for playing, you know, Tevye. Yeah. Yes. Dead. Okay. So we all think, well, th- we've been waiting for the other shoe to drop on this production because everything that could have gone wrong yeah. has, has gone it. wrong. The other shoe has now
0: dropped. Right.
1: Zero, <laughs> Zero Must is dead. Yeah. The is, is met. Dead. Yeah. Right. It can be worse than this. He's dead. <laughs> um, I, by the way, am in New York City and I'm watching the news on television and I see... Zero Mustel dies. I didn't know. Oh,
2: my God. So
1: nobody bothered. I guess I think Merle knew, but I didn't know. So I'm, I'm watching. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So anyway, so Z's dead. And we all think, well, so is the merchant because yeah. when the star Mark dies, the yeah. show. <laughs> <'cause>, <laughs> but we were wrong. And John Dexter, (laughs) I know, funny now, wasn't funny then. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't funny. So John Dexter, the director, who was, I say, was a mean kind of guy, went to the Schubert's and he said, well, you've got this window of opportunity to either go on or I'm done. 'Cause he was the artistic director at the Metropolitan Museum at the at the at the Met, the oh, Met oh, Opera yeah. at the same time. And yeah. he only had a little window of opportunity where he could direct continue to finish working oh. on the merchant, and then he had to go back to being an opera director. And for whatever reason, he convinced the Schuberts that the merchant should go on without Zero Mustel. And he said to them, I've got Anthony Quayle in my back pocket. I've got Lawrence Olivier in my back pocket. I've got Peter O'Toole in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. And the Schubert said, okay. And turned out he didn't have anybody in his back pocket. <laughs> oh, but, wonderful! But they didn't know that. And what he did was he promoted Z's understudy, whose name was Joseph Leon, to play Shylock. Wow. Now, Joseph Leon was a perfectly good character actor yeah. who had a career. He was talented. Sure. He was a lovely man. He didn't have any more chance of replacing zero mustel than i did right. yeah. i mean you know really yeah. you, you needed somebody who was you know larger than life mm-hmm. and he wasn't he was just a good character actor who you know did a workmanlike job but wasn't over the top big yeah. and it needed to be it was written that way he was made to wear z's costumes they all had mustel in them i mean it was terrible yeah and so this production that was hung on zero mustel came in Starring Joseph Leon, bless his heart. I mean, who was fine,
0: right? But, but didn't oh. have a
1: prayer, and we never heard another word about you know Anthony Quayle or Peter O'Toole. Right. And then they didn't uh, seem to be yeah. part of the equation, and so it opened and it closed. But it was one of those shows that if it could go wrong, it did go wrong. Oh. Right up to closing night. Closing night, the 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 actors were taking their final curtain call, and at the final bow somebody looked up and saw that the chain holding the fire curtain broke and the fire curtain they they saw that the that the fire curtain which most audience members don't see but it's right. up yeah. there started to come down and they pulled everybody to safety <sighs> and nobody was hurt but it came crashing to the stage and, and yeah it and it was like an act of god and Roberta Maxwell said Z had the last laugh. <laughs>
2: wow. That's wild. And there's a book that chronicles the, all of well, this, Well, the,
1: the book was written by Arnold Wesker. Oh, in wow. fact, I'm in the book, which surprised me. The Arnold Wesker was very bitter about this production because a lot of what he wrote was cut because it was four hours long. Yeah. And he some of it was cut without his uh, approval, which is against the law, right. against the Dramatist Guild and all that. And so he was very bitter about this production and what happened, because it was taken it wasn't taken away from him, but but cuts were made in his play and, and which right. shouldn't be allowed. And so unbeknownst to any of us at the time, and I was quite friendly with Arnold, he was a lovely man, um, he was taking notes. He had he was keeping a diary of everything that went on. And he subsequently, years later, wrote a book called The Um The Making The the making of Shylock and and the death of mustel, something like that that's not quite right and and he not only did he chronicle everything that went on during the out of town tryouts and rehearsals and everything um but he also included in his book every single word that was cut every every scene every right. every earlier version of a of a scene that subsequently. It's all in the book. It's fascinating <laughs> wow. because it's it's kind of like he gets the last laugh, really does, you know. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was really interesting because I um, I hadn't seen him in years, and when the book came out, I thought, oh, I've got to talk to him. I've got to talk to him. And I tracked him down. He was giving a a book talk someplace at a, at a college or something. And I don't know how I did it, but I got to somebody at the college and I said, look, can you give him my name and ask him to call me? And he did, and we had lunch, and we oh. had, we had such a good time because he said to me. This is how I remember it, and I would love to know how you remember it. And in a funny way, that's what that chapter is about. Oh, wow. It's me. It's how I remember it. Mm-hmm. Oh. And, I mean, it's not different from how he remembered it because we lived well, through the same thing. But it's from different yeah. perspectives. Yeah. And um, But it's fascinating because oh, wow. I, there were things in his book that I didn't know anything about. Yeah. And I'm sure there were things at my end that he didn't know anything oh. about. But it's about the same events. Wow. But his book is fascinating.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: I'm in his book a little bit here and there because he'll talk about something and he'll say – and, and there was Susan Shulman in tears because oh. <laughs> John Dexter had oh, said something terrible to me was, Oh gosh. it's very funny because I was you know now in
2: your book <laughs> um, there's a photograph of, of you and Mr. Mostel and you yes. say before the photograph was taken he mm-hmm. was quite inappropriate
1: yes he was
2: um, b- being a female press agent mm-hmm. do people try to take advantage of your gender at any point um, during your career
1: I don't think as often as you might think I think it was a time when um women were treated a certain way and it was just accepted. Um I mean it's it's ironic that all these things that are coming out now about, you know, uh, Bill Cosby and and Donald Trump and people say, "Well, why didn't they say something? Why didn't they speak up then?" Well, the truth was nobody would have believed them and nobody would have cared. And and the story that I tell in the book is an instance of that Mm. uh, briefly what happened was we were doing a photo shoot with Zero Mustel for a magazine called Q which subsequently turned into New York Magazine but it was Q Magazine at the time and it was a cover shoot for him and at the end of the photo shoot which is fairly common somebody say, oh let's take a picture of all the people that made this happen and so it was me and some lighting people and and Z's dresser and and Z was on a, a stool and we all sort of gathered around him and i knelt down next to him on the uh, by his knee and right before the photographer took the picture apropos of absolutely nothing he reached over and just grabbed my breast and i sort of sho- i could i mean i was so shocked i didn't it was like <laughs> and and i shoved his hand away and that's the picture that's in the book yeah. And the only reason that story is in the book is because I had that po- that photo. Sure. And when I was t-
0: there would have been no it, r-
1: there's no button on the story. And it, if you looked at the picture you wouldn't know that's what happened, but when you hear right. the story then you can see that's exactly what I'm shoving his hand away. And but looking back there who would first of all who would I have told to yeah. come to my defense? Nobody and had i gone to somebody and said you know this man did something really inappropriate who would have done anything
0: they're going to say oh it's Cyril mostel he's the he thing. was we the, need star him. Of the, show. the star of the show the only
1: reason any of us were employed Ugh. was because it was him Gosh. and so who would have who would have done anything nobody so i never told anybody i mean i it was maybe my friends or something but i mean it wasn't like i reported it or i did anything about it or it was just a very unpleasant little thing that happened and then you go on with your life but when these women were coming out and saying, Well, so and so did this and so and so and did that, and people are saying, Well, why didn't she, you know, why didn't yeah. she report it or why didn't she, you know, because nobody would have cared and nobody would have come to yeah. our defense and nobody would have done anything about it. Wow. Now it's different. In fact, when I was writing my book, I showed that chapter to somebody that was involved with the merchant, somebody powerful. And that story is in the book. Is in that chapter about him grabbing my breast, and this person said, Now, this was in 2012. I, mm-hmm. I showed this chapter to him, and he said to me, Don't you think Z was just funning?
0: I'm gonna drop the microphone,
1: so that tells <laughs> hey. you now, yeah, the yeah. response, Where yeah. We've come. and that would probably have been the person. That I would have gone to if I had gone right. to anybody. No, it was just locker room, so like it, behavior, exactly. You know? yeah. So you, so you, you know that there was there was truly no point, right. And yeah. I knew that, and and but I mean the fact that that still is the opinion is says something else altogether, right. But you know, so when those <sighs> women came forward recently, I totally believe them. Oh, oh yeah, totally. Yeah, and uh, and so does every other woman. Over thirty-five, yeah. because everyone has experienced something. I just something. read an
0: article, uh, uh, literally coming here to this interview uh, in New York Magazine, uh, uh, of about how women talk about these incidents, and mm-hmm. men often don't. You know, their husbands or whatever don't often hear about no, it. that's, uh, that's right. Uh, yeah, and yet, yeah. there's a way that women talk about it, where sometimes mm-hmm. they laugh about it, mm-hmm. but that's just the way of dealing with it. But that it's a common yeah. occurrence, especially of, of, of a certain generation, and, it, and it's—I don't know. It's just it's well, it's, it's, horrib- to me, it's horrible. It's
1: horrible, but it's also it's it's such a snapshot of a time yeah and the fact that it's all coming full circle now yeah. and people are talking about it, it's is great you yes. know yeah. yes. i mean i grew up, we were talking before i grew up in new york city i i went to um, a, a school called hunter hunter which yeah. hunter, 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 yeah. hunter elementary and hunter high school and i used to run the reunions i don't know what i was thinking but i used to run <laughs> my class reunions. and one year somebody got up we talked about what we were doing and 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 somebody was writing a book and she said I have a question. And she said, can, can, is there anybody else here who was molested or in some way, um, I don't know that the word is assaulted, but in some way inappropriately touched on the subway going to school? And virtually, and Hunter was all girls, and virtually every single woman in that room raised their hand. Oh now, I don't think any of us ever talked about it. And I'm not saying anybody was raped or anything terrible, but, but, you know, somebody's hand was in the wrong place or somebody leaned up against you in an inappropriate, a little too close for things like that. Every single woman in that room raised their hand and we all looked at each other. We were like stunned, but it wasn't something you talked about because it wasn't uncommon and it was something you just kind of moved on. It was, it was quite shocking. Wow. In fact, she wrote a book
0: about it.
2: Yeah. Oh, did she really? Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. glad.
0: I'm yeah. glad. That, I mean, that she wrote about it. That it's being talked about. That we're yes. That it is yes. Coming, yeah. And, yeah. And it is different. As f- when you know, not necessarily full circle, but where it's a dialogue that I'm it's reading about in my exactly, yeah. Yeah. and it's
1: and it's conversation that it people is, didn't have. And
0: it's important that we do have that conversation.
1: But when when people you know talk about why didn't they come forward? I'm I'm the poster child. Right. I didn't mean to be the poster child, but I am no, yeah. because. You know, did this change my life? No. Was it unpleasant at the time? Yes. Could I have done anything about it? No. Would anybody have cared? No. Yeah. And so you move on, but it didn't make it right.
2: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's something that your book does so brilliantly, which is it really does capture uh, specific time periods in our industry. Yes. I think it does it so brilliantly Mm. and so beautifully, and so it's very funny. I mean, the book is very, very funny, but there are so many wonderful moments in there. You're that.
1: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Uh, the relationship with the Loud family, mm-hmm. I think, is fascinating.
1: It was such that was so interesting. There was uh, the, the the show you're talking about is a TV show called An American Family, which just recently came back into the public eye because there was a new take on it, yeah. where they intercut original uh, footage from the 70s.
2: Um, it's an, documentaries, an HBO oh. film called yes. "Cinema Verite." Cinema
1: Verite, yes,
2: with Tim Robbins. Is that? Is that uh, wrong... I think so. I know, yes. Tim and Robbins, and um,
1: um, she's on Broadway right now, uh, Diane Lane. Diane Lane, yes, yes. Jeez.
2: And this is the first reality show. Yes, yeah.
1: And and they they found fa- it's called an American Family, and they found a family with um, five teenagers living in California, the Louds, and the family thought that. Their children were talented, and that they were all going to become stars. And it was a it was a documentary. It was the 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 film crew literally oh, moved yeah. into their house. Wow, lived with them for like six months or something.
0: In the seventies, this is in e- the, early seventies. Yeah. Wow.
1: and um and it was the first time that this had ever happened. And I was I was at Channel Thirteen. I was the press agent for the show, and I became quite friendly with the Louds, and I liked them a lot. They were, you know, interesting nice, open people who were kind of living through this experience. And as it went on, before it actually began to air, things sort of changed. And what they didn't expect was that the television critics were not just going to review the documentary, but they were going to review their lives. And suddenly they became sort of the poster children for the upper middle class affluent California family where the kids you know kind of have every um right. indulgence and are kind of boring and, and yeah. you know and it was and in the middle of it the 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 mother and father uh split and the son came out one of the sons I, came out. Yeah. So it was, it was quite
0: shocking. I mean, there's a lot of drama. That, I mean, you my bet. wife and I were on a, a reality show and once and they had to like help make the drama, but no, that just, no, fixed. this was, it, right, that there. was like right there. And, there and what,
1: what was interesting was we never knew whether they really became oblivious to the cameras that were there 24 right. seven or whether things were staged for the cameras. Um, we, you know, you after a while you didn't know because they the 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 husband and wife who were the film the filmmakers lived with them. They they moved into the house and they sort of became surrogate children, and so it was very incestuous. The whole thing was very incestuous, and yeah. so you you kind of didn't know. And did they know that the son was gay? Did they know the son was going to come out on television? We didn't. Nobody knew.
0: Right. There's no precedent either, and it's not because yeah, like, no now precedent. we have all these yeah. reality and there's shows no script. And we know that we, they storyboard. Th- but it
1: turns out the husband was having an affair, and the wife found out, and she threw him out of the house. You know, all on camera.
0: And they still brought they they broadcasted it. Yeah. It was. Oh unjust. yes. Oh yes. Oh,
2: yeah. oh yes. oh yes. Oh yeah. Oh, it
1: was. I had no, you got to no go idea. find it. It's it's called An American Family.
2: And was it Margaret Mead?
1: She she commented upon it later. She, she thought it was brilliant. But it was very interesting being in the middle of it because I was the press rep. And I oh was the God. person, re, you know. And so I was kind of between the family who was, you know, half thrilled to be famous and half not so thrilled right. to be famous because they were getting shot at a lot. And, you know, setting up press events where they were very happy to, you know, be the stars of the event. And yet they were getting beat up you know at the same wow. time so it was it was fascinating i don't i mean until this recent hbo documentary came out i always felt nobody ever knew about the you know had, yeah. people had forgotten about it because it was it was a long time ago yeah. but in fact that brought it all back into people's consciousness and it was it was the precursor huh. of all these reality shows yeah. you know it's
2: wow if you have uh, hbo go yeah. the movie is on hbo go for the, free the cinema, cinema verite yeah. yeah
1: it's fascinating because they intercut the original series with actors playing the characters. Yeah. So right. it's like reality, reality. <laughs> <Very
2: meta. laughs> it was like, very who, meta.
1: Who had that
0: idea. Who was like, let's do a documentary TV it's, show of this? It's I a mean, documentary
1: great. TV show. It's brilliant. It's really I've never heard weird. Of such a thing. And they and they pretty much got it right. I mean, they didn't well, get everything right, but they got a lot of it right. And do they
0: say where that family is now? I mean, do we even? Know? They're around. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I think Lance has died. Actually, they well, there, was he a, passed. there was a there was a follow up uh, uh, years later. He did a documentary about, and he what was sad was that he, you know, he became this sort of gay icon because he came out on national television, right?
0: And and, and not many people, I mean, no one no. did that. And this then. was this was no. in the seventies, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, so this was really early I mean, on in the, in the story. And then there was a, a follow up uh, documentary about him, and. The sad thing was that you know he was sort of touted in the original series as being this sort of wildly creative, imaginative you know kind of you know gay icon mm. sort of character. And the and the truth was that he sort of never did anything, yeah. You know, and he really wasn't all that talented. He wasn't right. all that, but but he was you know he had the flamboyant he had part the
0: name Lance Loud. Yeah, Lance Loud,
1: thank you. And he became sort of famous for being famous. You yeah, know, it yeah, wasn't sure. he? Didn't like the actually... first
0: reality celebrity in a way. Yeah. And and you know? and
1: you know coming out on national television and all this stuff. They
0: just can't. Imagine being known because he came out. Uh, it's well, amazing. you know, it's
1: like the Kardashians. Yeah. You know, they're no. famous for yeah, being yeah. famous, yeah. and he was sort of famous for being famous. Jeez. And and wow. and sadly, he passed away. Yeah. Um, I assume from AIDS, but I'm not sure. Wow. I think but so. I think yeah. so. Yeah. But um, but he, but that was all part of it, and it was really, you know, it was quite shocking. It was quite shocking to see this couple, you know, split up on tele- yeah. live on it's television. Real. It's like it that's, was real. Yeah. I mean, the... they, the, Image for the show was very interesting. The the Louds had given uh Channel 13 a photograph, a family photograph of of all of them, a Christmas picture or something. And the art department decided to make the image of the show this they framed this this family portrait and then they smashed it. Yeah. Nice. yeah. And so the 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 broken glass of the, you know, the cracked image of the family in the frame was the image for the show. Oh man. And pat loud when she saw it was livid because she felt they weren't cracked they weren't broken they weren't you know and you know in her eyes she had these wonderful children they were they were all going to be famous and channel 13 did this and i mean that was their their artistic choice and it was she wasn't happy she wasn't happy about that and and uh, truthfully i don't blame her i mean she was she was right but that was an artistic decision and the producers Bold. the producers wanted it and that's what happened but yeah it was it was interesting
2: and all of this is chronicled in your book so tell us what was the inspiration to write the book obviously you have all of these amazing stories and everybody always says, "Well, one day I'm going to write a book well, about it. You actually did
1: I know I can't believe it myself. What <laughs> happened was i I would tell my friends all these stories as they were as I was living them, mm. and people would say, "I hope you're writing this stuff down and i didn't I didn't write them down at all, and i just I was so busy living it that I kind of didn't it didn't even occur to me to write them down Sure. The only story that I wrote down at the time was about Abby Hoffman. Abby Hoffman had written a book called Uh, steal this book and a client of mine, Pete Masterson, who wrote Best Little Whorehouse in Texas uh, commissioned it and he decided that he was going to make it into a film uh, because he was doing films as well as theater and one day he said to me "Abby Hoffman has this idea that we're going to do a publicity stunt and will you you help us with this? Now Abby Hoffman was a fugitive at this time he was living underground you couldn't You couldn't call him on the phone or you you couldn't – you had to, like, leave a message or something and then he would call you if he felt like it. It was all very peculiar. Amazing. And I didn't know how to reach him. It was nothing to do with me. I was just sort of a – I was a helper in all this project. So the deal was that Carlin Glenn, who was Pete Masterson's wife, was starring on Broadway in Best Little Horace in Texas. And the story was that she's at the theater one night and she gets a note from a fan who says – uh, may I come back um, and meet you? And the fan arrives in the dressing room with a huge bouquet of flowers, presents her with the flowers, her, his girlfriend takes a picture, and it turns out it's Abby Hoffman. That was the setup. Okay? So, of course, it didn't just happen like that. But So the deal was, after a after performance one night, Abby and his girlfriend arrive, and we set up this picture, and it's... Carlin and this man, who we don't know who he is supposedly, and the flowers are sort of blocking his face and um and then and then golly gee, it turns out it's Abby Hoffman okay that's the that's the story so i my job is to play is to place this story, and what happened was it was kind of a comedy of errors. I would get it placed in time, and then it would something would happen. A bigger story would come along, and it would get bounced. So then I'd go to Newsweek, and then they would say yes, and then that would get bounced. And then I'd go to the AP, and the AP would say yes, and then it would get bounced. And because as it was happening, it was so nutty, and it was the whole thing was so crazy that I wrote it down. Oh, and so I actually have the, the sort of day-by-day chronicle of this episode of trying to place this stupid story about Abby Hoffman this famous fugitive taking a picture in a Broadway dressing room starring my client and roses in it okay so the <laughs> so the whole stupid story and it, you know in the great scheme of things it's nothing mm. but as a result of this i wound up having an fbi file <laughs> <laughs> which i didn't know i had until much later and eventually somebody told me how you can get a copy of it and i got a copy of it and it's all uh, redacted is that the word with yeah, his big yeah. black, like in the movies with his yes. big lines, <laughs> yeah. things. and it, you know, it's like Susan Shulman, blank, blank, blank. blank, blank. It's like, and of course, I. Truly, was the innocent in the whole thing because I had no idea they wanted. They called me and they said, "How do we reach Abby Hoffman?" Well, I really didn't know because I had never been in t- touch with. I was just right. kind of the the handmaid and yeah, all the facilitator. this facilitator, and I was the, exactly yeah. not not such a good one. It turns right. out, but although it did it did run, so I I, I did earn oh my keep. My gosh. But it was crazy because it was like I have an F. I had an FBI file. <laughs> amazing,
2: you made it. I
1: set up a silly photo with some guy and flowers in Carly and Glenn's <gasps> dressing room. Oh and that story was
2: the inspiration for...
1: <laughs> well, it, it happened that I wrote it down. Yeah. It just happened to be the one story I wrote down. So um, at one point, somebody said to me, you know, you really should write a book about this. And I thought, well... And I had a slow patch. And so I started to write the the, 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 the chapter about the merchant. Mm-hmm. And just because it was so um, dramatic, mm-hmm. you know, as they say, when the star dies. Um, yeah. And I wrote it and I... Somebody said to me, "You know, this is this is really fascinating, and it's really good. You should submit this to a magazine." I didn't know how to do that, but I there was a magazine at the time called Show People. Oh yes, oh, I yeah. remember that. And it was a lovely magazine. I it was a it magazine. was a Time Inc. magazine. Yes, yeah. yeah, so did I. And I knew somebody that was on the editorial staff, and I said, um, "I have this piece. Would would you be interested in seeing it?" And he said, "Absolutely." And it, I sent it over, and the next thing I knew, it was published. And I thought, oh, this is easy. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a Time, Inc. magazine. How did this happen? I, It was really crazy. I, yeah. mean, I, I thought it was like that's how it happened. It turns out really not how it happened. <laughs> and so it was published. And then from that, it sort of grew into a book. But wow. that's how it happened.
2: Oh, my god! Amazing. Uh, <laughs> and where can one purchase this?
1: One, Thank you for asking. One can purchase Backstage Pass to Broadway. And if you're in New York City, it is at the wonderful drama bookshop, which yep. was the cause of me getting <laughs> a hello. job with Bill Dahl. It's now no longer in the same location. It's now on 40th Street. It's at the drama bookshop. It's also at another wonderful theater bookstore called Theater Circle on 44th Street, which is also a theater mm-hmm. maven's
0: Dream yes. come yeah, true, totally,
1: and it is available on the website www.backstagepastbroadway.com.
0: Backstagepastbroadway.com. What a
1: clever uh, good URL. Yeah,
0: I and if
1: you buy it through there, I would be more than happy to sign it and inscribe it to anyone who would like it. Yeah. How sweet. Might it. do that.
2: And is there a rumor that there might be another edition coming there out There is. Soon?
1: There is. Actually, there is going to be a second edition and the second edition has even more stories about it. Love it. About my career and it includes three new chapters. Ooh. One about working with Mike Nichols. Oh, yeah. One about working with Prince Edward who is the Queen of England's youngest son. Oh, yeah. And what's the third new chapter? I'm trying to think. I forget. You'll, have to, good, it yes, yeah. you'll yes. have to buy the oh, book. It sounds great. Yes, you'll have to buy the book. But, but also what happened was when I was recently moving my office about a year ago, I discovered all kinds of files that I had lost. Not lost, but I didn't know where they were. And I found all kinds of photos that I hadn't been able to find initially and all sorts of little anecdotes and little funny quotes and things that I had forgotten about. Right and so the the second edition has a lot of those um stories. There's a wonderful story in the book about working with the president with with president reagan wow. and um there was a story about setting up a photo with Ronald Reagan and Robert Joffrey and uh, their son, little Ronnie Reagan, as we called him, who's a dancer in the in the junior company at the Joffrey. And I couldn't find the picture. And I had, I had photo researchers. I had people searching high and low, and nobody could find this picture. And when I was downsizing <sighs> the office a couple of years ago, lo and behold, I found there all the is. newspaper clippings. Uh, and so it was kind of the button on the story that I didn't have because yeah. I couldn't find it. Yeah. And lo and behold, now I have the button on the story. So it's little oh. things like that.
2: That's great. I cannot really wait special. to look at the second edition.
1: Oh, it's fun. It's sort of more of the same. Yeah,
2: fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, Bring it. Fine <laughs> Yes, please buy uh, this book. Buy out. this and it's book. It's great so to, to see
1: backstage past to Broadway. To
0: see Broadway from an, another a set of eyes, you know, in another another yeah. job that yeah. maybe you don't always think about, and that is well, actually... people
1: don't even know what a press agent. No, and I know, think
0: hopefully now yeah. they will. Yeah. You know, now well, we're going to you know show that you know
1: it was interesting when I was writing the book. Um, initially, it was quite different, and for one thing, I um imposed my opinion of circumstances something would happen i would tell a story and i and i would say what was she thinking yeah. you know i would i would editorialize and at some point i thought i don't need to do that i think the reader should figure that out should should make their own judgments on what was she thinking yeah. and so i took all of that out and yeah. so so it's very non-judgmental right. I mean, you, you get it. You get if something's terrible happening, you get it. Yeah. But, but I don't say, you know, well, wasn't she a witch? Right. You know, right. I, I let you make that decision. Right. And the other thing that was interesting, because I, I really had never thought about this, was when I initially wrote the book, and I still believe this, the only reason that anyone's going to buy my book is because of the stories about really famous people. And, you know, nobody's buying the book because it's Susan Shulman. They're buying the book because it's about Lauren McCall and Zero Mostel and Bob Fosse and David Merrick, you yeah. know. And so people that read earlier versions said, well, we don't know who's talking. You know, why are you in that room mm. where it happens? Yeah. You know, wh- who are you? I mean, we need to know why you're there. Huh. And that was a really interesting mm-hmm. thing because I, I still don't think anybody's buys my book because of me i think mm. they buy the book because they're they're stories about really famous people that i've worked right. with over my career and so i had to figure out how much of me needed to be in the book in order to enhance the stories right. give yeah. it context and and, and get, yeah. so you understand like and as as they said you know like why were you there i right. mean we don't know who you are we don't know <laughs> who's speaking and right. i thought well that's that's valid because you know why am I there? Well, right. I'm there because I had a function. Yeah. I had, uh, this is why I was there. And so that's why, uh, that was an interesting thing to figure out.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and one that I hadn't really thought about yeah, very totally. much. Totally. You know, it was interesting. Oh,
0: wow.
2: Well, and it's it's wonderful, and I cannot yeah. recommend it anymore. Oh, aren't and you yeah. kind? You are wonderful. And thank you so much for spending Truly. so much time with us thank today. Thank you. Um, I've so learned glad. so much. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fantastic today. There interview will be a today. quiz. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm going to go home and watch American Family. That's I'm, right. I'm, 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 yes. I'm so, and get the book. I'm and, so and we excited. didn't even
1: talk about Henry Winkler. My uh, God. The Fonz. Oh,
2: yes. So it's, it's <laughs> co- I, will, I will just put a little sample in here. There is okay. a great chapter in the book about the Fonz mm-hmm. and Susan's relationship
0: with mm-hmm. the Fonz.
2: Mm-hmm. Now you have to buy the book. I'm not going to tell you anymore. Ooh. And neither will Susan.
1: Sounds good. Yeah. Uh,
2: I hope you'll join us again sometime. I would
1: love it. Thank I'm you. so honored to be a legend. Ooh. You
2: are. Yeah.
0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth.
1: Hi, I'm Gloria Sterflin. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm
2: Patty Gapone. This is Lynn manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?